Psalm 46, beginning at verse number one. It reads, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah, the end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to gather together even this morning. Lord, as we worship and praise your holy name. Lord, thank you for just this revelation, Lord, that you are our refuge and our fortress. And Lord, that as we gather together in your presence, Lord, that you would be with us in all that we share even this morning and all that takes place, Lord, that you would help us to realize what it truly means for you to be our refuge and our strength. Lord, we give you glory and honor and thanksgiving unto you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to share with you this morning a simple message entitled, God is, comma, therefore. God is, comma, therefore. Say that with me. God is, comma, therefore. Come on, let's get everybody saying it with me together. God is, comma, Therefore, uh, this simple phrase, God is, therefore, it relates to this aspect that when we look at who God is and understand his character and his nature, how we describe God will affect what comes after the therefore. And when we acknowledge and recognize our Lord and our King, the therefore that comes after that is something that we can all benefit from. When we look at all of our lives, we all have a story of our lives. Uh, within every story, there are mountaintops and there are valleys. There are times of great victory and there are times of things, of memories that we would sometimes like to forget. Uh, I had, uh, growing up, I had shelves where my parents would proudly display all of the things and the accomplishments that we would have. And so uh, I had the advantage that when I was uh, getting ready for graduation in high school, I had report cards all the way back from first grade. And it was funny going back and reading some of the comments. He smiles really nicely. I mean, it was, it was such great things. I wish it was easier like that in college once I was going on there and just getting marks of, uh, of those things. But recognizing that all of these mountaintops and these valleys that we have are the product of choices that we make on a daily basis. 
Do you recognize every day that you make a number of choices that affect not only your immediate challenges and successes, but you make choices that can affect the long-term effect of things that are going on in and through your lives. Uh, this morning, you probably made some choices. You made the choice of what time do you get up? Do you get here on time to church or do you get here fashionably late? I don't know how you get fashionably late to church, but sometimes it happens, you know? And so you make choices what you're going to wear, what you're not going to wear, uh, 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 all the different things that are possible choices that you can make. And uh, one popular Christian uh, author, Chuck Swindoll, he had this quote, which I want to share with you, which is uh, very uh, helpful as we think about uh, choices that we make. I apologize for the length of it, um, but uh, just read along as I go here. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than success successes than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make a break, make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. You see, the choices that we make and the attitude that we respond to circumstances really depends on where we place our trust and our security. Uh, you know, I share the situation about my vehicle, and if my trust and security had been in the fact that this vehicle is so nice, and it, it was a nice vehicle for me, you may not have thought it so, but I loved it, and it did what I needed to do. It got me from point A to point B, and I didn't have to spend $60 on filling up on a tank. And so, for me, it was something that I enjoyed. And it was a vehicle that we had been blessed with for over uh, almost 10 years. And so when we look at this, this question of how do we have the attitude towards things that happen in life, it depends on where we place our trust and security. What you'll notice is that at various stages in our lives, we all place trust or refuge or security in certain things. Our son, Nehemiah, who's two and soon to be three, uh, in his stage of life, his security is found in a cream colored blanket. This cream colored blanket can do miracles. I, I wish it could produce money because the amount of ways that he pulls it around and just the earth must stop until he gets his blanket. It realizes for him, that's where he places a lot of his trust and security. Many of us can think about things. Maybe we know about some of the, ch uh, as children, things that we place security and trust in. And then as we grow older, we recognize, we start to develop and put more trust in other things. Maybe it went from a blanket to now, you know, we get a little older and we got a nice car and we place our trust and security in the car. And everybody thinks that I'm upwardly mobile because of the car that I have. And depending on whether it's a five series or a three series, it really shows how successful I'm going. And so we place these different types of security and trust. And as we grow older, we can find more expensive things, 
more noteworthy accomplishments, and possibly more detrimental habits in which to put our trust. But the realization, the Bible puts out this pattern and this principle. It says that it makes a difference where we place our trust. And you have to make a choice in whom will you put your, place your trust. And the Bible never promises that we will not experience difficulties, disappointments, frustration, unjustified loss, inexplainable circumstances, and explainable ones too. And the Bible doesn't say that we won't experience fractured relationships, financial distress, or any type of difficulty, but the Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So if you're sitting in this room and you're still breathing, guess what? You're going to have a day where something is going to happen. And maybe this was your week where something happened. And sometimes it feels like every day was all 365 days of that year just wrapped up into one week. But recognizing that even when those things happen, how will you respond? How will you respond? I'll venture to say, and, and I was, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about how did I respond? What was the first thing that was crossing my mind when something difficult happens? What's the first thing that I want to do? Who's the first one I want to call? And, and I recognize that when I look at where I place my security and my trust, I recognize that I need to grow in truly making the Lord my God, truly my refuge and my shelter. I truly need to make him my refuge and my shelter because here are some of the principles that come when we make the Lord our refuge and our shelter. Psalms chapter number 34 and verse number 19, it makes a simple declaration. It says, a righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. The Lord delivers him from them all. So I can be a righteous man and I may have many troubles, i.e. lampposts. I may have many troubles, i.e. Oh man, I just put those new tires on a little while ago and I'm really upset that now they're flat. I, I got many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Go on to verse number 20 and it says this. He says he protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Now, I, I don't want you to think if you've ever had a cast that you are outside of the will of God. It, 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 it's not it, it's speaking metaphorically here. It's not saying that if you have a broken bone that God has abandoned you and no longer loves you. Uh, that's a part of the healing process. But recognizing that the Lord protects those who are his. And so I ask you this question. Where is your place of refuge. Where do you run to when things are difficult? Who do you call or who do you pick up the phone to hope that they're on the other line when you're going through a circumstance which may be unexpected to? When, you know, things are going on and when everybody has stopped asking the questions, how, who do you begin to talk to or what do you begin to say? Uh, ladies, when nobody sees that you have your makeup on, what do you do? Who do you call? Who do you talk to? Guys, brothers, when you're not worried about whether someone's going to challenge your manhood, how do you express? that disappointment that's going on in your life. I can find out if you have a safe place of refuge by asking you, how do you fill in this blank? How do you answer this question? Because how you answer this question 
will determine how you feel safe and whether or not you will endure even through challenges that may take place. You see, the Bible tells us in Psalms chapter number 46, it tells us that the correct answer to put into this blank is that God is our refuge and strength and help. He's our refuge. He's our strength. And our help. He says there in Psalms 46 and verse number one, the psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. He's our refuge and strength. The Bible talks about places of refuge in over 46 verses and in the Psalms in particular, over 18 times, it gives us this notion to understand that our refuge and our fortress, our God has to be the one in whom we trust. And refuge simply means to be a shelter or a protection from danger or distress. Uh, the, the scriptures talk about places of refuge as a place of physical shelter. Uh, let's look at a couple scriptures. Psalm chapter number nine, if you turn back a couple chapters, you'll see in Psalm chapter number nine, verse number nine through 10, it says this, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Uh, then let's turn to another scripture in Psalm chapter number 18 and verse number two. The psalmist again declares, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. You see, in difficult or tumultuous circumstances, we all make choices about where or what we will make as our place of refuge. Uh, uh, many of us have seen that in the last couple of years, there's been an abundance of tornadoes that have happened. And you can see here, this photographer took a picture and yes, you're looking into a refrigerator and what stands what used to be her house. Now, what is interesting is that how that she survived out of that, if you go to the next picture, was that she made herself a place of refuge in a bathroom tub. And some of you may look at that bathroom tub and say, why would someone go in there when you got this big house? But recognizing that it was a place of safety. And even when you see all of the things around it collapsing, you see that this little tub sustained this woman so that she still had her life. Every time that difficulties come, we have to make a choice and we have to make a, a, a choice of where are we going to place our trust? Now, one of the difficulties in this situation is to recognize that when we think about refuge, many of us simply think about refuge in the aspect that it's illustrated here in uh, verse number two. And it says, God is an ever present help in time of trouble. It's recognizing that wherever there is danger, God is present, ready, willing, and able to help in distress. Uh, Isaiah tells us that when the enemy comes in like the flood, the Lord will lift a standard against him. And most of us understand just this one dimension of the aspect of refuge when we talk about God being our refuge. Now, that is a very important part to know that, hey, when I'm in trouble, I can call upon the name of the Lord and that he will be my shelter and my rock and my refuge, my fortress. 
But what it has produced in many people is that we look at, at the aspect of God being our refuge as a temporary situation. So when difficulty comes, guess what happens? Oh man, it's time to ratchet up prayer. You know, I'm getting up in prayer. I'm going to get up 5 a.m. I'm going to make sure I'm on every prayer call. I mean, I remember when I was in law school, I made sure I had a time period window that at least two weeks before and two weeks after my final exams, I made sure I was not sinning. I had, you know, this period where I had to make sure till I got my grades. <laughs> There was extra caution to make sure I didn't lie. Everything that I may have done, I confessed it before the Lord. I was keeping a real short account, especially when my scholarship depended on it. So I understood that, you know, I, I, I had this notion that when I'm in distress, I'm going to make sure I've got everything lined up just right, the right way. But when we take this aspect and apply it to God being our refuge, you know what ends up happening? It's the same thing that happens after those two weeks. You go back to your regular lifestyle, doing your regular things, living your own life. And instead of God being our refuge, our strength and our help, it becomes a temporary truth that we live out for a period of time that we need him. And then when everything is good, guess what happens? We're back to the normal life. Well, that was never what God intended when he says uh, that he is our refuge and that we can come to him as the one who protects us. The challenge is, is that we God is our refuge, not only in the times when it's difficult, in the times of trouble, but he is our refuge throughout life. And as we go to him, this aspect that we expand the notion or the understanding of this word refuge to more broadly mean God is our security. He is the one in whom we have full trust. Jehovah Shammah, this word that we get, uh, uh, which means God is our refuge, it's taken from the book of Ezekiel where the broad meaning was there was a city that was dedicated unto the Lord and they said of this city, the Lord was there. And they named that city Jehovah Shammah. And so this was meant to mean that this that God's presence was perpetually in that city and that within the gates of that city, God was dwelling there. And so when we say that God is present and he's an ever-present help, we don't simply mean it that when you come in trouble, that's the only time you call upon God. But it was meant to be that your life is fully surrendered to God and that you can say of any time, whether it's good or bad, that he is your ever-present help in times of trouble, in times of need, in times of greatness, in times of weakness, whatever may be going on, that God truly is your refuge and your strength. This is what it meant that he sustains us in all situations, in all times, and he brings us security and comfort. I was thinking about how, how can I make this notion clear and understanding, and uh, it didn't help that the uh, Secret Service has some incidents going on uh, recently, but I think about the president. The president does not, I mean, there is actually a bunker for the president to go in in case there's some type of uh, uh, um, uh, uh, attack on the United States, and many of us know during 9-11, they, they, they um, took uh, President Bush down into the bunker, um, and then they had uh, the vice president who was out in another secure location. And so you see that place as a temporary, there's a big need, so they have to get the president to a place. But you know what also happens along with the office of president? Everywhere that the president goes, guess who goes along with them? 
secret service. He travels along with a secret service detail. That's what got them people in trouble. They were traveling beforehand and doing things they shouldn't be doing. But recognizing that he has this security that wherever he goes, wherever something is going on, there are are people who are with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, what we need to recognize as we look at it, even from an earthly perspective of even what the Secret Service does, what happens with the Secret Service? They have an advanced detail that goes before the president goes. They have a detail that is there while the president is there. And then they have details that are around afterwards, making sure that everything and all the logistics are taken care of. It amazes me. Did you know that there are two um, 747s that anywhere that the president travels, there's a second 747 that's hovering in the air, ready to come land or take off somewhere in case something would happen to the original uh, Air Force One. You see all of these steps that they take to protect the president. Now, when we think about it in spiritual terms, we think about the fact of recognizing that when God truly is our refuge, our strength and our help, it means that he's there not just when you got into the situation, but before you were even aware that a situation was coming. God had people, God had his angels, God had those who were sustained in place, ready and willing and able to go and do what needed to happen. And while we were in the midst of the situation, God had his angels, he had his people, he had those who were sustained, ready, willing and able to go. And even after you're done with the situation and don't know what to do, God has his people, his angels and those ready, willing and able to move through every circumstance. When he's our refuge, it's not just when you're in the midst of it. He's our refuge throughout every part of the journey. And so when he's our refuge, we can call upon him each and every day. And guess what? The best time to find a place of refuge is not when you're in the middle of a disaster. I remember growing up, I was in a program called Royal Rangers. And as part of that program, we had uh, one of these uh, courses where we actually did a 30 mile canoe trip. And so on this trip, the first day, they're teaching you fundamentals. So they purposely make you flip over the canoe and, and have to flip it over and get your bag back in and everything else. And so we were out in the middle of this lake and uh, I can swim, but you know, it was the middle, middle of big lake and uh, um, um, so we're out there and as we're finishing up for the day I start to hear these sirens. Now, the first time I heard the siren, I thought it was just an emergency vehicle traveling by. And as I started to uh, pay attention, I was like, wait, that is a tornado siren. So here I am in the middle of this big lake. It's just me and my canoe. There's about 20 other canoes, but I got all this bag all these bags in my canoe, and I hear tornado sirens. Well, guess what? I learned to get to a place of refuge real quick. I I, I I didn't need them to tell me how to paddle, how to get there. I just started paddling real fast. I'm going one direction. Everybody else is going the other direction. But I was like, get me to shore. Get me to safety. Because I recognized that even with this impending danger, I needed to find a place of refuge and safety where I could find God's strength, where I could be safe in the midst of all that's going on. And here's what the Lord says about refuge and safety. If you turn back here in Psalms 46, this is what he says. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. But look, he says, look, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Guess what? When I was in that canoe, it felt like the mountains were falling into the heart of the sea. The winds were blowing and it felt like everything around me was collapsing. 
But here what the scripture says is it's saying that even when all these things are taking place around us, we still can trust in God as our refuge. And just like you saw that picture of that tornado, even when it seems that we're in this small little bathtub and Lord, what are you doing in the midst of all of that? God knows how to sustain you. Even when it seems like everything else is collapsing all around you. Could you imagine you were in that tub and then you wake up and look up and see? Wow, everything else went down, but God sustained me. You see, when we recognize that God is our refuge and our strength and our help, there has to be something that attaches with it. And see, when we correctly answer who God is, then you always have to have what I call the therefore. Therefore, if God is our refuge, if he's our strength, and if he is our ever-present help, verse number two says, therefore, we will not fear. You see, you cannot say that God is truly your, rec- uh, your refuge and it not change or impact how you live your life. If you recognize that God is a strong tower, if you recognize that God is a help, even when you're in the midst of trouble, if you recognize that God is with you before, during and after, you cannot say, well, that's great. That's an awesome God and not change how you live out your life. The reality is, is that when you recognize these things, there is always this therefore. And what the psalmist says here in in Psalm 46 is that when we recognize that God is our refuge, our strength and our help, therefore, we will not fear. It prompts us to say that we can find safety in him and trust him fully. I want to give you, as we wrap this up, three things of why we do not need to fear when we make the Lord our refuge. Psalm 46 says, as we look through here and starting in verse number five, and the first thing is that we do not need to fear because God is present with us. We do not need to fear because God is present with us. Look at verse number four. Uh, it says, there is a river whose streams may glad the city of God, the holy place where the most holy dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. And then verse number seven, Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then in verse 11, you see that repeated again. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, what's interesting is that when you look at verses number two through three, what does it say? It depicts all of this imagery. Here, God is our refuge and our strength. And he says, though the earth give way, though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers foam. He's saying, look, I mean, can you imagine that image? I mean, could you imagine animating that mountains falling into the sea? And, and the Lord is saying, even when you see a big old mountain falling into the sea and you might be sitting there on a small boat, you still have to know where your refuge is. And so what he says here is recognize that if he is your refuge, you do not have to fear because God is present with us. And we do not need have to fear because God is present with us throughout all that is going on. And in verse number four through five, he talks about the fact that God is with her. And he's talking here about the city of Israel uh, 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 as a metaphor. And he's saying that, listen, 
the city of Zion, the Israel, they, uh, as I am with them, they will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. And many of us, when we're going through situations and we say that God is our refuge, our strength and our help, we stop at this place of saying God is our refuge, strength and our help. But then we begin to fear. And the reason why we fear is because we look around us and we think that God has lost track of us. Have you ever looked up around things that are going on around you and say, man, does God know what's going on right now? I know that was for, was for me a big situation because I was going through life and circumstances saying, Lord, if you only knew what was going on with me, you would get me out of this mess. But what the Lord said in this imagery is that, listen, even when I have you somewhere and everywhere you look around, Mountains are coming down. The earth is giving way. It seems like everything is crumbling around you. Even when you see all of those things, don't forget that I am present with you. And if I am present with you, it is more than anyone else who could be anywhere. And so you can trust in me. And what we need to remember is that when God is present with us, it absolutely should eliminate our fear. When God is with us, it should absolutely eliminate our fear. And the rationale is that when we fear, what happens is it causes us to lose perspective. Because what fear will do will cause us to look and say, well, there goes a mountain. Whoop, there go the stars. Whoop, there goes the earth. I'm next. I'm a globalization person, and I've shared this before, that I can take one small thing and I will globalize it. I mean, I can drop my pen and lose a pen and figure that that pen was worth millions of dollars. And then that means I will never be able to buy a house. And then after I can't buy a house, I'll be on the street destitute. And then I'll be begging for food. And then I'll lose a whole bunch of weight. And then after uh, I've lost a whole bunch of weight, I'll be back in the hospital. And then at the end of it, I die. I mean, it'll be crazy from dropping a pen. And, and you can see listening to that, like, how did you get from here to there? That's just sometimes how my mind begins to operate and things like that. And when we have fear, what will end up happening is fear will cause us to globalize everything. And when we see situations going on, fear will cause us to not remember that God is our refuge, our strength and our help. Therefore, we need not fear. Uh, fear. fear will teach us to say, man, look around you. I don't know about you, but if you see that big old mountain... And look at you in comparison with that big old mountain. I might want to say you might be want to want to run, you know, do something. And fear will teach you to try and do something in your own strength rather than trusting the God who sustains all of his creation. Which leads me to point number two is that we need not fear. We do not need to fear when God is our refuge because God has all power in his hands. God has all power in his hands. Uh, I, I was amazed this week as um, we were uh, switching our son Nehemiah to a toddler bed and I was assembling a, 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 the toddler bed from Ikea. And all I was doing was assembling the parts. And Nehemiah looks up at me and says, Daddy, you're strong. I mean, that, that is like, you know, a father's. I mean, that's like a delight, man. I felt like, man, I was Popeye, man. I could pop some spinach and I just was feeling good about myself. And you couldn't tell me nothing. I'm like, yeah, my son thinks I'm strong, you know? And, and, and in his eyes, you know, I'm putting together this bed and all he can think about is, wow, how much strength does that take to be able to put that bed together? 
Well, if I could look at it in that aspect, I recognize that when I look at what God is able to do, I recognize that he has all power in his hands and he's stronger and mightier than anything I could ever be able to do. Look at what it says here in Psalm chapter number 46, verse number eight through nine. It says, come and see the works of the Lord, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. What is it saying here? It's saying that the Lord has the ability. I mean, if we update it to a 21st century technology, you say the Lord can break, you know, the stealth missile. He can take the nuclear bomb and make it to naught. He can take every type of weapon that you can try and bring even in war and he can cause it to cease. And so what it's saying is that, listen, when you recognize that God is your refuge, Along with it comes a recognition that he has all power and he has all ability to do that which he said he will do. And so that means when I'm in the midst of a situation and I run to the presence of God, I do not need to fear like, Lord, are you really going to be able to come through? I don't know about you, but I've had some situations where there was no earthly way that anyone could have come through. But God made a way out of no way and he sustained me. And I recognized it was because I placed my faith and my trust in the God who was my refuge, my strength and my help. And as a result, I saw his salvation and his vindication because I trusted in him. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear. God has all power in his hand. Third and last, we do not need to fear when we make God our refuge because God has an ultimate plan. God has an ultimate plan. You see, when we fear, it causes us to forget who's in control. When we fear and we fret, it causes us to think we're in control. But when we recognize that God is in control, we are consumed with the fact that he has in a way to array and place things in the right way that he has designed for them to be. Verse number 10 says it this way. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. First Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 13, a very familiar verse. I want to share it with you. It's this verse here in 1 Corinthians 10. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You see, we're going to experience challenges that are going to come. I mean, it wasn't when I went to go get ice cream that I was planning, let me break my car this week. It wasn't that maybe you went through situations and maybe you didn't plan or balance your checkbook correctly. And it wasn't that you said, you know what, let me overdraft this week so they can take out the 39, 39, 39. And so you had a cup of coffee that ended up costing about $70 because you had a couple overdrafts on it. I mean, it wasn't that you planned for these things to happen. But what do you do? Because inevitably, maybe it may not be the overdraft, maybe it may not be the car, but maybe you're going to hit some type of situation in life. And you're going to have to make a decision. Where are you going to run to? And this gives me comfort in knowing that any time a situation comes, the Lord says that in every temptation, in every trial, he's made a way out so that you can stand up under it. 
Do you understand what the what what this is what this means? What this is saying here? As the writer is saying it, what he's explaining to you is that the Lord has a plan. And just like I shared before, just like MacGyver, it can be two minutes left in the episode and he finds some way to get out. If you just trust God and make him your refuge, he'll show you the way out so that you can stand up under it. Another scripture in 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 9, uh, verse B, uh, it, it talks about all the things that are going on. And I want to focus in on the last part of there. It says, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials. Do you know that the Lord knows how to get you out? Do you know that the Lord has a plan? So while you're sitting there worrying and you're you're upset and you're 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 in these places where you are fearing all that may happen. And I know I've been in situations where I'm gripped with fear. I'm gripped with anxiety. And I went through a season where I was anxious about every single thing. And I recognize that if I'm going to say and fill in the blank correctly, that God is our refuge and our strength and our help. I can't stop there. There always must be a therefore. If I say that God is my refuge, therefore, I will not fear. If I say that God is my strength, therefore I will not fear. If I say that God is my help, therefore I will not fear. And my challenge to you this morning is that God makes a promise that if we make him our refuge, that he will sustain us. But are you doing your part as you trust in, as you make him your refuge? that you're truly trusting in him and releasing fear and doubt and saying, Lord, I trust you fully and completely. I trust you because I know that, Lord, in the midst of all that's going on, that you're present with me. I know in the midst of all that may be taking place that you have all power in your hands. And I know in the midst of what seems like it's chaos, you already have a plan. He's present, his power is with us, and he has a plan. Some of you need to hear that this morning and the the word of the Lord, that even though things may happen, and even when God has a plan, it doesn't mean that it's always going to work according to your plan. Because, you know, it's great that God is my refuge. As long as you work according to my plan, I will not fear. But maybe his plan needs to humble you a little bit. Maybe his plan needs to get some things in order and in place. I remember, and I'll close on this as as we finish up for this morning, that I remember as I was in a life stage, good season of my life, and I I was working, doing consulting in Michigan, and I I was beginning to become ill with what was known as diabetic neuropathy. It felt like pins and needles on the bottom of my feet. And I was involved in my church. I was directing our our, our multimedia uh, ministry there and also uh, helping direct our video, our television broadcast there back in Detroit. And so and our and our radio broadcast. And so it, God, it was just an awesome time. And I was excited about life and things that were going on. And here this potential injury. Was now going to cause and disrupt much of my life. So here I am, I'm not able to see clients anymore. Here I am, a lot of things going on and transpiring. Well, in the midst of that transition, here my brothers are living in Boston, Massachusetts and say, all right, well, we can't pay your rent no more, so you're going to have to come live with us. Parents had moved back to Ghana. Now, in the midst of it, I'm thinking, why after I'm doing all these things for God, 
Would you let this happen? Would you let this happen? Would you let this happen? But I didn't know that coming to Boston, the Lord was going to open doors that I hadn't even seen or thought or imagined. And one of those doors was that as I came here, I met a beautiful young lady. That as we were sitting in morning prayer and she looked up and saw this man across the room and there was this <laughs> white glowing light and it was as of an angel that was shining there. And out of it, I said, hello, my name is Joseph. <laughs> well, that's my version. But in the midst of all of that, God had a plan. I wasn't even thinking. Matter of fact, I was like, man. I don't even know if I'll ever get married. What will happen? Law school. Lord opened the doorway here as I came in Boston for me to continue my studies and go to law school here. He opened the door in ministry and ordination to pastoral ministry. He brought us to Mars Hill Fellowship Church and planned to get here in the Austin Brighton Brookline region. Now, if I would have known all of that back then, I'm sure that as soon as my brother said, come on to Boston, I'd be rejoicing. But the challenge for you is that even when you don't know what's in store, can you trust and make God your refuge and say, Lord, however you lead me, however you guide me in the midst of this, I'll still trust you. It doesn't mean it won't be without its challenges. We've had challenges. We have situations that I, I, I could share that have been difficult. Yes, a pastor still has challenges. But in the midst of it all, the Lord has delivered us from them all. My prayer for you this morning is that as we're here this morning, that you would truly make God your refuge and your strength. God is. How are you going to fill it in? Is he your refuge? Is he your strength? Is he your help? Well, if you're going to say that he's your refuge, your strength, and your help, there's a therefore that automatically attaches to it. If he's your refuge, don't fear. Don't fret. Don't get dismayed. He will do his part. Just trust in him. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to pray for you this morning as we close out. You know, one of the ways that I can check and see where I'm placing my trust, one of the ways I can see if I've truly make, made the Lord my refuge and my shelter, one of the ways I can really assess how things are going is that I can look when I get in the midst of situations. Where am I running to? Some of us, the, the, the minute something happens, we have that number on speed dial. And you know, it's great. I, I'm so thankful to have a lovely wife who supports me and understands all that is going on in my life. But even as a husband and a wife, God intended for my wife to be my helpmate, not to replace the position of God. You might be single and you say, well, I don't have a helpmate. Well, God designed that he would be in your life as your refuge, your strength, and your help. And what we need to recognize is that in the midst of all that is transpiring, where are we running to? 
What's the first thing that happens when a situation takes place? As I was assessing that, I thought about the accident and immediately afterward, I kind of began to evaluate, man, what was going through my mind at first? And if I could be honest with you, the first thing was, oh man, another bill, another something I'm going to have to pay for. What's going to happen? My mind immediately begins turning to how are we going to rework the finances for this week to get this situation in place? Now you may say, big deal. Of course you would think about that. You just wrecked your car. But I recognize it realized something. It, it, it revealed something that was truly going on in my heart. You see, because at the end of the day, if my finances become my refuge, I will always find myself disappointed. Now, finances are a great thing to have. But if I placed all my trust and my security in them, then I do not open myself to allow God to work out his plan. I only trust in what I'm able to do, what I'm able to finagle, and what I'm able to accomplish. Maybe it's not finances. Maybe it's you're going through a situation and you're wondering, man, some of the single brothers and sisters here, if only I had a mate. You call up your girlfriend and say, well, if only Mr. Wright was here, or only guys call up your boy and say, man, if I had sister so-and-so, Everything would be right. You see, the danger is in the fact not that there are good things that God says are great for you to desire. It's just that you take things that were a part of God's provision and you make them your ultimate place of refuge and strength. And so it's very easy to take something that God intended as a blessing and turn it into an idol. And we may not big build, build big idols like they did back in the Old Testament, but we build idols all throughout our lives. They can be jobs. They can be promotions. They can be school. They can be achievement. It can be all types of things. So my prayer for you this morning is just that you would take an assessment in your life and say, Lord, have I truly made you my refuge and my strength and my help? And if the answer to that is yes, then ask yourself the question, have I finished the sentence? If God is my refuge, my help, and my strength, therefore, I will not fear. Is that a confession that I can make? Or am I struggling? I say that God is my help, God is my strength, God is my portion, he's my refuge, but I fear all the time. God says he wants you to be free from that. Be released to trust in him all the more. I just want to pray for you. And just so I can pray specifically as, as we're gathering together this morning, I just want, if you're here this morning and you say that, Pastor Joseph, I, I'm agreeing with you. I, I recognize that I have not truly made God truly my refuge and my strength. And maybe I, I've trusted him in some areas, but I want to learn how to truly trust him in every area of my life because I know there are such great and precious promises when I make the Lord my refuge and my strength. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Joseph, that's me. I want to trust God more. 
I want to learn how to run to his presence even more. If that's you here this morning, just simply slip up your hand and you can put it back down. But I just want to agree in prayer with you. Amen. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. As you slip up your hand, all you're simply acknowledging and saying, Lord, I acknowledge the fact that I've fallen short. I desire to trust you no matter what may go on and what may take place. And it takes practice because you're going to be tested in it. The enemy will come in and see it and it'll bring situations and say, are you really going to trust God? And when God allows those tests, he's not intending for you to fail. He's bringing the test so that you can pass through because he's made a way of escape, even in the trial and even in the temptation. He's already created a way of escape. Let me just pray for those that if you didn't raise your hand, you can be included in on this prayer. Just simply slip up your hand to God and just say, Lord, I, I, I slip up my hand as a signal unto you, Lord, that I want to and I desire to trust more in you. Father, I pray for Lord, each and every person that has made a faith commitment even this morning to say, Lord, we want to truly make you our refuge. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to recognize that you are re our, our refuge and our strength and ever present help in time of trouble. Father, help us not just to make you a, a place of refuge, Lord, when times are difficult, but Lord, help us to find our safety, our security. Lord, everything that we are, help us to find it in you. That we would not just run back to our old way of living when difficulties have left. But no matter what may be going on, whether it's the mountaintop or the valley low, that we would trust in your unfailing love. Father, we thank you for, Lord, even some dire situations that, Lord, you may know about and maybe I may not know about, but Father, I'm convinced that even no, no, that no matter what may go on and what, no matter what may take place, that you, O oh Lord, are faithful. You, O oh Lord, are sustaining us and you are our ever-present help. Thank you for your presence that's with us. Thank you for your power that's made available to us. And thank you, O oh Lord, for your plan that sustains us. In Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together and give thanks unto God. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.